All adults in California can now get a booster shot. I am sure we're going to have an increase in cases and having more people better vaccinated with a booster should help. I'm Jade Hindman. This is KPBS Midday Edition. The big picture on why there's a shortage at fire departments in San Diego and around the state. I think it's shameful and the state of California should be blamed in no uncertain terms for trying to get away on the cheap. Plus, a wide selection of events to check out on the art scene this weekend. We'll tell you all about it in the weekend preview. That's ahead on Midday Edition. California public health officials are ramping up efforts to get booster doses of the COVID-19 vaccine into as many eligible adults as possible. Earlier this week, the state's public health director urged regional health care providers not to turn down any eligible patients for an additional shot. The tone of the message underlines a slow demand for boosters as the winter months approach a combination that some fear could lead to another surge in cases. Joining me now is Dr. Davey Smith, head of the Division of Infectious Diseases and Global Public Health at UC San Diego. Dr. Smith, welcome. Thank you, Jade. How important is it that eligible adults receive booster doses ahead of the holiday season? I think it is important for people who are eligible to get a booster dose to go ahead and get them. Uh, Winter is coming, as they say. I am sure we're going to have an increase in cases and having more people uh, better vaccinated, as as one might expect with a booster, should help. Now, that's important, but I actually think we're still lagging behind uh, people not getting their first series of vaccination, and I think that is actually going to be more important. You know, in brief, can you break down how a booster dose bolsters the immunity of a given individual from COVID-19? So um, the first time somebody gets a vaccination, it's basically... Uh, telling the immune system saying, hey, look out for this virus. This is how you want to fight it. Then you get another dose um, if you took Pfizer or Moderna. And that's just reminding that, uh, the, that immune system, those immune cells and say, hey, this is how the virus looks. Please uh, make your antibodies now so that if you were to see the real thing, you could kill it. And then that memory, which we call immun- immunologic memory, wanes as all memory sort of does. And what happens with a booster, it's the exact same vaccine as that was happened in the first two times. You just administer it again to sort of wake up the immune system and say, hey, this is still a problem. Make some more antibodies so that if you were to see it, you could fight it off. How does that differ from the immunity they receive from having had the illness prior? It's, it's very similar. So it's mimicking that exact same response that the uh, body might have had at the beginning. So someone gets infected with a virus, if, uh, if their immune system is good, it makes a response, it makes antibodies, it makes cells that can recognize that virus and kill it. Um, and the same thing happen, happens with the vaccine. The vaccine uh, doesn't have the live virus that's there, but it has pieces of the virus to get the immune system uh, responding. Colorado, which is facing one of the nation's worst surges, moved beyond federal guidance to allow booster doses for all adults. Uh, do you think that's wise? I think it's wise in the setting of a, in the setting of a surge. Um, 
that try to get as many people out there with as high antibody levels as possible. So as high immune responses as possible so that perhaps not only do they not get sick, but it might decrease the chances of them uh, spreading it. So these vaccines work to keep people out of the hospital, uh, but people can still get infected. Um, Hopefully the time that they're infected is less. Hopefully it's less chance for them to spread it so that uh, these boosters might decrease the amount of spread that happens in our community. Why do you think that there's a lag then with federal guidelines? To be honest, I think the data are kind of thin. So we don't have a lot of really good data for these boosters over time. It's because we're still <laughs> pretty new with all of this, and we don't have a lot of good data saying this is who needs to get the boosters at exactly what time. But we're we're trying to get those data, but we're trying to get those data in the setting of a horrible pandemic. So when cases start to rise, it's logical to think, okay, we need more people out there with higher antibody, higher immune responses to stop the pandemic. But the feds are right. We don't have perfect data to say this is the group that needs the booster at this time to stop the spread. Um, We're getting those data, but it's just going to take time. Are you hearing a lot of questions from people asking whether or not they need their booster shots yet? I get that question a lot about whether or not people need their booster. And we just walk through it and go through the data. And some people are thinking, okay, well, I'm probably okay and I'm not going to get it. Or there's lots of people who are like, okay, I think it's just time. Winter is coming and I want to be a good uh, neighbor and go ahead and get my vaccine booster. And of course, as we mentioned, the state's public health director is urging regional health care providers to make that available to all eligible patients, the booster shots. Do you think health care providers are receptive to that? Yeah, everybody that I talk to, I don't know anybody who's refusing to give a booster to anybody who asked for it or who's eligible for it. And many of us are encouraging people to go ahead and get their boosters. And what's the best way for people to determine when they should receive their booster shot? Talk to their primary care doc. That's that's the best way. And if, if that doesn't work, they can go online and look for, at the California Department of Health about the vaccine and who's eligible for the boosters. But really, it's all about that uh, connection with the primary care doc. And to clarify, does it matter which booster shot you receive? You know, honestly, it's still early to know which booster is uh, best for which person at which time. But right now, the best data points to uh to get the booster from the series that you started with, but it also looks just fine to get a mix and match. Um, so if you got Pfizer before, it's okay to get Moderna. If you had J&J, it's okay to get Pfizer. Um, basically, they all work to tell the immune system to say, hey, this is the virus that you need to make antibodies to, and um, they all boost a response. I've been speaking with Dr. Davey Smith, head of the Division of Infectious Diseases and Global Public Health at UC San Diego. Dr. Smith, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. The San Diego Fire Rescue Department has been struggling with staffing shortages, but it's not only because of COVID-19 or vaccine mandates. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado tells us the issue is more complicated than that, and it's a problem almost every department is facing across California. It's a beautiful day in San Diego, and the fire crew at Station 1 is starting their day. While everything looks normal... We've got an exhausted workforce. 
Back at San Diego Fire and Rescue Headquarters, Chief Colin Stowell says it's been a struggle to keep the department's 50 stations fully staffed. Yes, we're seeing less and less people sign up and voluntarily want to take overtime shifts, and so sometimes those sit empty. He says the staffing shortage has already resulted in a brownout of a station this year. On that day, 95 people called out. That's one-third of the day's workforce. That's the absolute last resort for us is to have to shut down a first responder unit, and it really came down to... We just did not have enough bodies. Stowell says COVID isn't the only reason this is happening. We're also seeing a combination of retirements and some folks leaving the department for either other departments or a change of career. But COVID sure hasn't helped, and the city's vaccine mandate deadline is looming. About 12 percent of his department is unvaccinated. Definitely a concern of mine, and it could be very impactful. But he's also seeing a sharp decrease in applicants. They used to get about 4000 a year. Now they get about 1300 It's not a shortage of candidates. As a CPF, we maintain an eligibility hiring list that has over 3,000 candidates on it. Brian Rice is the president of the California Professional Firefighters, or the state's firefighters union. He says this crisis has been years in the making. Is COVID to blame? No. Is the wildfire season to blame? No. Do they play a role in it? Yes. But to me, the blame falls squarely on cities, counties, and municipalities as employers for failing to hire the adequate number of firefighters. He says it started during the recession when overtime became the norm instead of hiring. This is a choice that municipalities have made, and they're betting that the disaster is not going to come to their community. And so far, I think it's proven wrong. Rice says departments have to stop relying on overtime because it takes its toll. The health of firefighters, men and women, a good part of that depends on them being able to go home and decompress and rebuild their strength. Rice also says the state's fire department, Cal Fire, must do better so they don't burn out their staff or have to rely so heavily on city departments during disasters. They use seasonal employees, part-time employees. For years, they have relied on the prison system to try to augment that staffing, and I think it's shameful, and the state of California should be blamed in no uncertain terms for trying to get away on the cheap. Brian Marshall is the state's Office of Emergency Services fire chief. There, they coordinate resources from all over the state during major wildfires and disasters. He says he's seen a difference in the requests they've made for fire resources in the last few years. We're seeing approximately 50% of what we've seen in prior years. Forcing those on the front lines of mega fires to work longer shifts. These firefighters are literally gone all summer long. And with COVID and year-long fire season pushing departments to the breaking point, the question is, will we have enough manpower if the big one hits during a mega fire or another disaster? It is a fear. I think by all emergency managers that there will be simultaneous disasters across the state. And are we going to have enough resources when somebody calls 911 for help? Stowell says there's no doubt there's a staffing crisis plaguing departments across the state, including his. But he's optimistic with their proactive recruitment, they will meet their staffing goals by 2023. And despite the challenges, Stowell hopes more young people consider a career in the fire service because there's a lot of opportunity and the work is fulfilling. You leave the next day when you're heading home and you know you made a difference in somebody's life. And you don't get that kind of satisfaction from a lot of careers. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News.
You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. This weekend, there is a new playwright from San Diego Repertory Theater. The Old Globe will be wrapping up its Shakespeare call and response tour, plus a wide range of visual art, including bike helmet art. KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon Evans is off today and has asked Angie Chandler to join us with details on the events. She is the cultural arts strategist behind Culture Mapping San Diego and also the audience and engagement specialist with Balboa Art Conservation Center. Angie, welcome. Thank you, Jade. Excited to be here with the KBBS folks again. So glad to have you. First up is the San Diego Repertory Theater's Hear Us Now New Play Festival. What can you tell us about this festival and what people can expect from it? So for the past year or so, San Diego Rep has been having conversations online called We Are Listening. And this was an effort to respond to the calls for equity in the theater world. And so now JD Play Festival is actually a response to that conversation. Um, the goal is to bring a variety of playwrights from different backgrounds. Um, they've commissioned these new plays. And the goal is to provoke conversations around identity, I'm most looking forward to Indigenous playwright Jason Grawl's piece, um, The Normal Force. It seems like it's got intrigue, science, characters that we rarely see on the mainstream stage. So I'm really looking forward to that. The Hear Us Now New Play Festival runs online tonight through Sunday and tickets are pay what you can. The Old Globe will wrap up their Shakespeare call and response tour for their Globe for All program. And I hear you've seen this performance. How was the experience? I have. I got a sneak peek of it. And what's exciting is they actually developed this show in New York. And then through the pandemic, through virtual and in-person conversations, adapted it for San Diego. So when people see the show, which has been traveling around the county, it looks like a little bit of Chicano Park. Like there are some little parts that are very specifically San Diego. This is an updated Shakespeare um, interactive experience, vibrant soundtrack by San Diego's own Mickey Vale, who is both DJ and cast member. Um, and it's really exciting. So I love that they're ending it back at Balboa Park. So you can catch it a few different places. It was quick. It was fast. It was fun. It really brought Shakespeare alive for me. And can you tell me why Shakespeare is still important? These stories are so relevant. And, and what I loved with the updates they did, the language is all the same. It's, it's very Shakespearean, but the conversation of love, right, of loss, of comedy that we find in these tricky situations, these things are timeless. So many, many years later, actors still love doing the work and the audience that I sat with couldn't get enough. And the final performance of the Shakespeare Call and Response Tour will take place at 1 p.m. at the Balboa Park Fountain. The City of Carlsbad's Art Gallery, the William D. Cannon Gallery, opens their 2021 Invitational Exhibition this weekend with a reception. Can you tell us about some of the artists in this show? So SD Art Prize winner from 2020, Melissa Walter, um, is one of the featured artists. This is the ninth time that they're having the Invitational. And Melissa has reworked some pieces that we may have seen before, but the snippets that I've seen online have me really excited to see how she's reimagined this work. And like, I don't need an excuse to get up to Carlsbad to enjoy the water and the views. And so going up to also see the art sounds like a really fun day trip. The show will be up for a while, but I'm really looking forward to Melissa's work and some other artists that I haven't seen too much of, but they're from all around the county. And the 2021 Canon Invitational Exhibition opens with a reception Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. and is on view through February 5th. 
At Mixed Grounds, a new coffee shop in Logan Heights, there's a special all-day festival called the Nutcase Art Show on Saturday. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like artists are using bike helmets as a canvas. They are. So I love Mixed Grounds in general. It's a coffee shop, art gallery. It's a space for conversation and music. And what we're seeing in the San Diego art scene right now are these kinds of hybrid experiences. So it really is bike helmets. The goal is to kind of increase safety awareness, but make it cool. So in the morning um, or in the afternoon, folks can come and kids can decorate bells, which are great for safety as they're riding on the roads. And then later on, there'll be um, over 20 different artists displaying art that they've created on nutcase helmets um so it sounds like it's going to be food trucks it's going to be music um bike safety which we know is super important getting the kids and the family involved right there um at mixed grounds which is such a fun and vibrant space wow sounds very interesting the nutcase art show is saturday beginning at noon at mixed grounds in logan heights on saturday at libe lula books and company they're celebrating the release of a photography zine called around the way girls what do you know about this book and this pretty new bookstore in barrio logan so libe lula in Barrio Logan is this moment where we're finding independent bookstores pop up in, in Barrio, in a few other parts of the um, city. And with this one specifically, one of my favorite photographers, um, Delana Delgado, is doing film photography in this zine. So, you know, we see a lot of digital photography around, um, but she's using film. She's exploring these textures. And so in the bookshop, they'll have some for sale. They're also going to do a talk about this work. And so the zine features girls, just like it's around the way from neighborhoods. We've got tattoos, we've got heart, we've got texture. It is like really gorgeous from what I've seen online. And then they're going to be talking in this really intimate space. Um, You can get the book signed, you can hear about the process of film photography and why that's important. The event for Around the Way Girls is at Libe Lula Books on Saturday at 2 p.m. And you can find more details on these events and more at kpbs.org slash arts. I've been speaking with Angie Chandler, the culture arts strategist behind Culture Mapping San Diego, and also the audience and engagement specialist with Balboa Art Conservation Center. Angie, thank you so much for joining us. Jade, it's been a pleasure. Excited for all these things going on in our beautiful city.